With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bases Loaded. We're a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Zach Braff, filling in for our usual host, Mike Curland, who has earned a much-deserved night off. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BraffZ, and I am joined tonight by the one and only George. You can follow him at jmontez 90 George, it's been a while, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Good to have you back. I know you've been uh, out. You've been busy for the last few weeks with the big move and stuff. So it's uh, good to have you back. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a busy few weeks. I just moved um, from Miami back to New Jersey. So uh, it's been a, a whole process, but finally getting settled in and back uh, on the podcast with you. So it's good to be back. So tonight, this is episode 54. And we're continuing our divisional breakdowns, and we finish off the National League today with the NL Central. So we're looking forward to uh, to that. And before we do that, just a, a few quick plugs. You can follow Bases Loaded. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bases Loaded Pod. And we have also uh, we have a new uh, Patreon page that you guys can check out. Uh, we've teamed up with one of our co-hosts, SP Streamer. Uh, you could check us out on patreon.com slash fantasy baseball. Uh, we offer we offer some great support on there for, for fantasy players of all different skill levels. Uh, we have some pretty unique offerings, I think. Um, we got a, a hitting streamer chart um, and SP streamers, his, his pitching streamer chart. And we also even offer draft day assistance um, on, on different levels of the Patreon. So I would highly recommend checking that out anything else you want to add to that george or did i cover that all right oh you pretty much covered it and yeah anybody's welcome to come hang out with us in the discord server so that's always cool cool yeah i forgot the discord server but yeah definitely check that out and like i said tonight this is episode 54 we're talking nl central continuing our divisional breakdown series and um so yeah let's just let's just dive right into it all right, so we're going to kick it off. Uh, why not start with the uh, the division champion Cardinals? They really have uh, some interesting guys to look out for next season. Um, is there anybody that stands out in your mind, George? Well, yeah, they've. I mean, they've got an interesting lineup. You know, they're bringing back a lot of older veterans. Um, you know, who we'll see. You know, we're still early in the off season. No one's really you know signing yet. Uh, they have Marcelo Zuna, who's a pending free agent. And, I mean, 
anywhere that Ozuna goes, I'm going to like him, you know, for next season. So I, I'm going to bring him up now just because, you know, he's, he's a pending free agent for, for the Cardinals. Um, and I think, I just think that, I mean, Ozuna had a, a down year, but I actually featured him on my recent uh, bounce back and, and breakouts article uh, on Fantrax HQ as one guy that I absolutely love going into next season. Right now he's got an early ADP of uh, outside the top 100 in uh, Fantrax. And he, he's just like, I, I think he's going to, I mean, just looking at the numbers, he has career highs in so many, so many metrics. I mean, career high, hard hit rate, career high, uh, exit velocity, uh, career best uh, launch angle, uh, career best uh, line drive rate, uh, career best walk rate. I mean, and he had a, I believe it was like a 256 BABIP, something right around there. He had never had anything lower than a 296 uh, before last season. So, I mean, Ozuna's a guy that I think he's going to provide a ton of value where, where, where he goes. And he's probably going to jump. I mean, as soon as he signs and, and people get more aware of Ozuna, he's probably going to jump in ADP, that's for sure. So I think if you're drafting, drafting right now, take advantage of where he's going as late as, as he is because I think he's going to come roaring back next season. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a productive year to an extent for Ozuna last year. But yeah, it was still a little bit more of a on the disappointing side for him. I would be surprised if he's back with St. Louis. Um, it seems like a lot of teams are interested in his services. So, I mean, that could... I could kind of leave um, a gaping hole in that lineup, in the middle of that lineup. Um, it should be interesting to see how they fill that void if ultimately he does not return next year. But yeah, Ozuna is definitely an interesting name to look out for next season, uh, depending on where he ends up. Um, a name that I'm curious to bring up, um, I know this kind of – brings to your heart here george you were really big on this guy last year and that's goldschmidt oh uh, yeah i saw that coming hate hate to bring it up but <laughs> you kind of had goldschmidt ahead of freddie freeman in the ranks and me and mike were definitely against that and i think we were probably on the right side of that argument last year but i mean goldschmidt um he definitely he had a down year but um i'm still intrigued by him next year uh I know over at at Fantrax, you guys kind of started putting out your first base rankings. Um, yeah. So where do you where do you kind of see Goldschmidt in that mix? Because we obviously have a new guy at the top in Bellinger this year, who had a phenomenal yes. year. So then I think it's Bellinger, then Freeman. But there's kind of a few guys in that mix. I would say one through one through seven is is kind of not one through seven. One one and two are pretty solidified, but. Maybe I also think three is pretty obvious in Pete Alonzo, who I just uh, just want to toot my own horn. I called that one <laughs> last year. Um, but I think once you get four through seven, it's kind of up in the air. Uh, where do you where do you kind of put Goldschmidt in that mix there? Uh, so I have Goldschmidt at seven right now in my first base rankings, uh, just because of the, the guys uh, ahead of them. I've got uh, Rizzo, Olsen, uh, Josh Bell, uh, Pete Alonzo, uh, Freeman, and Bellinger. So I have them there at seven as the the last of one of those like really top kind of top tier kind of guys that that I'm looking at going into next season. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, 
he's still an elite talent. It, it just seems like, you know, with the age is coming some decline. It, it seems like the last couple seasons, he's kind of gotten off to a really slow start. And then uh, just, you know, go, he goes on his tears. Because first base seems just so top-heavy and, and not much depth, uh, he's still going to be solid. I mean, he's, I, I could see him falling, you know, if he's in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, you know, I'd be fine taking him there. I'm just not so sure. Like, especially, especially like, you know, you're not going to be getting any more stolen bases, you know. So, yeah, yeah at this point, you're just looking at, at power. We'll, hopefully, you know, we'll see if the average comes back. Uh, 260 last season so I'm just not sure how much different he's going to be than a lot of these other first basemen that are going much later yeah I mean he's still he's still a productive player he's not that first second round uh guy that you're taking anymore but I mean his his stack has data it, he's still above average in a lot of these major um statistics here um his hard hit percentage his x slugging uh his exit velo i mean they're all still above average he still does look pretty good um i mean 34 home runs nearly 100 rbis i mean you're still getting major production from goldschmidt uh the big thing that you're not getting like you said is the stolen bases but uh in this world that we live in now nobody's really stealing bases anymore but I'm having a tough time between like Goldschmidt, Matt Olson, Josh Bell, that trio. It's it's hard for me to rank. It's still very early, but track record is is important to me. I've been burned many times in the past by guys that have regressed, whether it be in their second or third years. And you just kind of know it's it's a pretty safe floor, I think, um, with Goldschmidt. And that's why I'm I'm intrigued by him next year. Um, his ADP right now is about uh, the 60 range, 62. So, I mean, I think that's I think that's a decent spot for him at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I actually – so, I have Olsen ahead of him. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get more into this when we do our first base ranks. But uh, Olsen's going like 10 picks later. I like Olsen more going into next season. So, that's just one example. I just – yeah, based on ADP, I think yeah. Olsen 10 picks later is a better value. But, um, I mean, it's very early right now with ADP. A lot of these um, – the ADP that we're talking about, I, I'm talking about is Fantrax. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the one that you're looking at, but a lot of that is best ball driven right now. And I feel like Olsen probably has a little bit uh, more upside in best ball than Goldschmidt at this point. But, yeah, I agree with you, I think – um, Olsen 10 picks later is probably better value, but, um, point of this is Goldschmidt is still a productive, uh, player out there in the fantasy world. Don't sleep on him. Even if he kind of had a, a slow year, another guy that I think is going to be a, a, a big get early in drafts next year is, is Jack Flaherty. He's a very interesting name, very debatable if it's, if he's top 10 starting pitcher at this point. Um, he's kind of on the cusp right now. Um, but Flaherty, I mean, very interesting stuff. I mean, he had obviously a pretty amazing post-All-Star break um, ERA of 0.91 compared to his pre-All-Star break ERA of 4.64. I think that is of concern to some people. We've seen a lot of pitchers have dominant second halves. What comes to mind is, uh, is Zach Wheeler in 2018. Uh, we saw a dominant performance in the second half. And then last year, he really he didn't follow it up with what we were expecting. 
So are we going to see that type of Jack Flaherty or are we going to see Jack Flaherty kind of take it to the next level? I don't know. Um, he was throwing his fastball a lot more and he was doing it pretty successfully. As we saw in the second half, he's throwing it much harder than in years past and his slider too. So maybe the uptick in velo helped him out in the second half a little bit. Um, we will see. Uh, what, what's your takes on Flaherty? I mean, do you think that this is a, a top 10 guy that we're looking at here, taking the next step next year? Oh, man. Yeah, it just depends on uh, how much you buy into that second half. Um, top 10, I'm not so sure about. He's probably on the cusp there. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of good guys in the top 10. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a list to crack. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, taking it to the next level, I mean, and you know, 0.091 uh, ERA. I mean, it's it's hard to take it, get you know any better from there. So you got to expect, you know, you can't expect uh, the flarity of the second half. You know, for you can't expect that to be sustained for you know all of next season. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, probably in there bet- uh, between ten and fifteen. I uh, haven't done my starting pitcher rankings yet, but it's hard to ignore. It, it's definitely hard to ignore that. You know, if if you're not buying it. Or if you're, you know, questioning, it's hard to ignore that second half, you know, yeah. especially in the in starting pitching landscape. Yeah, definitely is. I don't know why it just it just concerns me. I feel like I need to see him repeat that performance um, before I can fully commit to him being like one of those elite top ten options. But I think he'll definitely be an SP one for a lot of teams out there, and hopefully he gives you those results. But um, yeah. Flaherty is a very intriguing name going into next year. I know that you, George, kind of did the uh, the closer rankings um, over at Fantrax. You did that weekly article, the bullpen report, I guess it was. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with this bullpen situation. Um, as of right now on roster resource, they have Carlos Martinez as the fifth man in the rotation. I don't think that's going to happen. Honestly, I don't think he has the built up stamina and arm strength anymore to be a starting pitcher and give you 170 innings. Uh, I see him being a bullpen piece right now. They have Giovanni Gallegos as the closer, which I don't know if I see that happening either. Uh, You also, I mean, there's, this is a good bullpen. You got Andrew Miller who's in there, who still can get the job done. And John Gant had a really good season last year. Um, any of these guys stand out to you as a possible save source? And, and also, obviously, Jordan Hicks is the main closer there, but he had Tommy John surgery. So it's likely that he'll probably be out for most of the season. But is there anybody that stands out as a possible closer for this team next year to you? Uh, yeah, so if Giovanni Gallego, I mean, because Aaron, Aaron, I'm sorry, uh, Jordan Hicks, you know, he, he's still going to be out. He did had Tommy John surgery halfway through the season, so – they're going to be going into the season without without Hicks. So Gallegos, I actually like him. If if he goes into the season as the closer, I, I like him. He's going to be he's not going to be on everyone's radar, and um, I, I like his stuff. He's got a sixteen point three percent swinging strike rate. Was actually you know in the top sixteen. He was number sixteen among qualifying relievers. Uh, so I, I like the stuff there. I like the potential of um, Gallegos uh, as a closer. I, I'm not too sure about Martinez. I you know, if he's going to be in the rotation, uh, he, he did, he was solid, you know, as the closer for the Cardinals. So I, I'm not sh- so sure, you know, what their plan is going to be with Martinez. If he is a starting pitcher, 
I imagine off the bat, I'd probably have them maybe in the top 50 um, initially uh, until we see, you know, because he didn't make a start all of last season. No. I so, mean, the, last, know, the last thing you want to do is keep bouncing this guy back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation. I mean, we've seen guys like Jobber Chamberlain, like their careers just get ruined by this. Like, I don't, I don't think this is a smart decision to move him back to the rotation. I just don't. It should be interesting to see. I mean, Martinez was – he was successful in that closer role last year. Like, why mess with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And I'd like Martinez a lot more if he just stayed as the closer. I think he'd be like right in there as like a top 12 uh, closer. Yeah. We'll see what happens in spring training. But I mean, like last year, um, I think Martinez was planning on being a starter and he had shoulder issues again. So they kind of shut him down and brought him back as a reliever. So it'll be the true test will be in spring training, I guess, to see um, how Martinez is coming along. But as of right now, I, I think Martinez is still the guy here. But Gallegos, I guess, is kind of maybe the next man up, along with John Gant, who who really had a, a great year last year as well. So a few names to watch out for in that yeah. bullpen. Um, anybody else? Uh, just a few quick, uh, maybe some deeper league guys. I know our host Mike would would be proud of this one, Dylan Carlson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a big Dylan Carlson guy. He's also, uh, I know he's a big fan of Tommy Edmond as well. Uh, Edmond's yep. a guy I wanted to bring up as like you know, kind of one of those sleepers, uh, especially you know if you, especially for steals, you know, a little later in the draft and in, in the middle of the draft in the fifteenth, sixteenth round, uh, he. In the limited time that he played last season, he had uh, 11 home runs, 15 stolen bases, a 304 batting average, um, and everything, uh, you know, uh, the underlying stuff, you know, beneath that looks good too. I mean, a 24.7% line drive rate, that's, you know, beautiful for that batting average, along with the 41% hard hit rate. So Edmund's interesting. He's probably, you know, of all these guys in, in this lineup, you're talking about Fowler, Wong, Goldschmidt, Dijon, Carpenter, Molina, Edmund, and uh, Tyler O'Neill. Um, and it's hard to trust depth charts this early, but just mm-hmm. the names that they have currently on the roster, Tommy Edmond is uh, probably one of the more interesting ones. I think that DeJong, it's looking more and more like that 2017 season was a was a fluke. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like when you look at these names, I mean, Carpenter, another year older, uh, injury, you know, concerns, uh, probably going to be good for him if he is more of a platoon guy. Um you know, Molina, not sure how, how much he can hold up at, at catcher, uh, you know, the older he gets. So Tommy Edmond, for me, I think he's he's really intriguing. Yeah, Tommy Edmond was one of the guys I had down as well. I mean, like you said, a late round steal source. He's got that elite sprint speed. I think he was only caught stealing once last season. Um, this is a guy that's, I think he's slowly moving up uh, draft charts. A lot of people have been touting him as a sleeper. Uh, for this coming season right now Fantrax ADP is around 175 I honestly see that rising even more I could see this guy going around the 150 range for for fantasy players that are are reaching for some some steel sources late in the draft because they missed out early on so I definitely agree with you I see Edmund um, being a big contributor to this team next year um, especially in the steals department Dylan Carlson, who I mentioned before, um, interesting name, especially if Ozuna leaves. Uh, 
they might have an opening in the outfield there. So Carlson, he really, he, he's got 2020 upside. He, he can swipe some bags as well. He had a great year in the minors last year. So Carlson is, is one of the, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he's probably going to be at least a top 50 prospect going to next season based on his performance last year. So um, I know Mike would be proud that we're talking about talking his boy up. He's been big <laughs> on Carlson for, for over a season now. So Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond, those are a few guys that we're high on as well. Uh, you mentioned Tyler O'Neill before. He's an interesting player for me. He's got the top prospect pedigree. He just really hasn't lived up to it yet. Problem really has been playing time for him. I mean, if I don't know if you've seen this guy. I mean, he's he's jacked out of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he can just connect with the ball, uh, that ball is is going places. So, I mean, Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill, it really depends what happens with Ozuna. I think ultimately Ozuna won't be back. So I think that opens up a spot for one of, if not both of them, at some point next year. So Tyler O'Neill could be an intriguing name late in drafts, a power source. I mean, if he can get... 500 at bats. I mean, you're looking at a 30 home run threat right there, I think. Yeah. So that's another name to look out for. And like you said, I mean, Carpenter, Molina, they really do nothing for me now. Maybe Molina, I mean, catching catchers, a one of the weaker positions, but I mean, Carpenter had a down season. DeJong just, uh, I agree with you. I think that, 2017 season really was about all we're going to get from him. Do you think that kind of stands out? Another name I'll throw out there, Dakota Hudson. He was a guy that I was high on last year. Uh, he ended up, he had, um, where is it? Let me see. Let me pull him up real quick. He had um, a solid season. He had 16 wins last year, but uh, his underlying metrics really show that he got pretty lucky. Uh, his ERA was 335, but his FIP and XFIP are both over four or five. So what kind of pitcher is he really? Uh, obviously, he does not rely on the strikeout as much as other guys. I mean, he's more of a ground ball type of guy. But Dakota Hudson, um, I don't know. I'm not huge on him next year. But interesting name to watch as well. And, yeah, I think that kind of sums up the Cardinals for next year. Very early, obviously. But, yeah. Uh, any other names that you want to throw out there or is that kind of it for the Cardinals? I think that pretty much covers it. Cool. All right. So that's the Cardinals for you. Uh, we're going to move on next to the Chicago Cubs who have an interesting off season ahead of them. It should be interesting to see what they do. They have a few key free agents, guys like Nicholas Castellanos who came up huge for them down the stretch. It was a huge addition. Yeah. Loved him, had him on a lot of my teams, carried me very far. Um, I really hope that they try to bring him back, but we've heard rumblings all offseason of them trying to part with some of their, their big-ticket items like Chris Bryant and Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras. So we'll see what they end up doing, but, I mean, that could really change the whole dynamic of this team if they part with a guy like Chris Bryant. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a really interesting off season for the Cubs, you know, see what, what direction they go, but yeah, we could be looking at a completely different team next season without these guys, uh, Castellanos and possibly uh, Chris Bryant. Castellanos. Yeah. I mean, he definitely was a different player um, outside of Detroit, uh, really turned it on with in, uh, in Chicago. 
he's someone who, yeah, I mean, another one, depending on landing spot, uh, could really fluctuate his ADP. Now, I mean, I'd love to see him like on my Giants. I'm just not sure that they're, they're in a position to do that. But uh, yeah, they can use a guy who can smash lefties. I mean, Cassianos hit 370 against lefties last season. You know, he so. Um, I mean, even if yeah. Castellanos signs with your Giants, is that somebody that you would really be interested in fantasy wise? I mean, that's not your prototypical ballpark for uh, a hitter there. Although they're moving in the fences, I hear. Yeah, and it's not as bad for uh, right-handed hitters as it is for left-handed hitters um, that are hitting the ball like into the coat, like you know, well that direction. Um, so yeah. it's not as bad for right-handed hitters. I, I wouldn't be too concerned with Castellanos. The only thing, you know, the counting stats won't probably won't be there in that old decrepit lineup. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he rakes lefties. I'm just looking at these numbers. 347 with the Tigers off lefties and 417 with the Cubbies off left-handed pitching. Oh, yeah. Oof. I heard rumblings that the Marlins were interested in Castellanos' services, and I really hope Really hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I yeah. mean, Castellanos was with, with the awful Tigers for his whole career. I mean, does he really want to do that again? I don't know. He just seems like a completely different ball player when he was playing with a contender, you know? Yeah, I think that'll be good for him. He seems like one of those guys who, being on a contender, is going to like light a fire under him. So, yeah, I mean, a team like the Marlins, like my Giants, I mean, as, as much as I'd like to see him on the team, it's they're just not in a position because, I mean, they're in a complete tank mode now, you know, for the next two, three years. Yeah. I mean, if Castellanos returns to the, to, returns to the Cubs, um, I'm definitely, I'm on board all the way with him. I don't know how high I would go. I mean, would you consider him a top 100 player at that point? I would think so. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the Cubs would be a perfect landing spot for him. Although it's, it, could be weird with the transition to David Ross as manager. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that one yet with David Ross being manager over there. I don't know how I feel about that for all of these players, to be honest. I guess the one that it could be good for is Wilson Contreras. Um, but we'll see how that works out. But if one of these star players is moved, I think one of the guys that could benefit from that is Ian Happ. Um, I've been saying this guy's name for a few years now, and he, he's, he's been frustrating for sure. But he really finished the 2019 season really strong. He was really strong down the stretch. He, he was mostly a fastball hitter back in 2018, and he just couldn't hit the breaking ball for, for the life of him. And last year, he actually really uh, progressed in hitting breaking ball pitches and off-speed pitches. And his fastball, um, he wasn't hitting the fastball nearly as well. So if he can kind of come to a, a middle ground with those two, I think we could really see some, um, some progress in Ian Happ's game. Uh, he really, like I said, he finished really strong last year. Um, where is it? So in September, he hit three, 311, um, OBP of nearly 350, OPS over 1,000. He had some big hits down the stretch. I know he was a big contributor during the fantasy playoffs. Um, had him on a few teams. So it should be – I, I kind of hope he gets a shot. He was kind of in limbo all of last year, being down in the minors most of the year. But he's played some center field. And if uh, – not even just center field. He, he plays outfield, second base. If, uh, if Chris Bryant gets moved, um, it's possible that maybe that's his spot. 
their starting center fielder right now on roster resources, Ian Happ. So you got Happ, Hayward, and Schwarber right now. There's not a ton of options out there. I mean, you got Albert Almora, but I don't know if he's really your everyday center fielder. Uh, just he's not hitting enough. So Ian Happ can clearly hit the long ball. He's a big middle of the order threat. And if he gets the chance, I, I think he could be a good good piece in the middle of that lineup. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's he's always had uh, strong like uh, walk numbers, and uh, I like I like the fact that he you know cut down the strikeouts a bit. I mean, e- even if it was just in fifty eight games, it's a little encouraging. Uh, he's someone who is probably a good uh, late round flyer, and especially like in the best balls that uh, best ball leagues that are going out right now. Yeah, I, I checked earlier his ADP. He's he's going around like four hundred right now. I expect that. Okay. I expect that to rise. Hopefully. I mean, you're looking at like a top 300 player here, but it depends what happens. Spring trading it depends if they make any offseason moves. So that's something to monitor for sure. Who else from the Cubbies intrigues you over there, George? Uh, well, you know, you've got Rizzo, who is as safe as they come. Uh, Chris Bryant, like you said, it's who knows what's going to happen with Bryant if, if they end up moving him. Uh do you think we see MVP Chris Bryant again, or you think this is just kind of who he is now? A you know, like a two eighty hitter, uh, thirty home runs. No, I I think we can see MVP Chris Bryant again. I really do. And I was actually texting some of my buddies about this. My uh, my Mets buddies. I would love to see the Mets make a push for this guy. Um, I think a Syndergaard for Chris Bryant swap would be perfect because neither team seems really all that interested in signing these respective guys long-term um, Chris Bryant. I, I really think that Chris Bryant will return. He's just, he's been banged up in recent years. Um, I think it was a shoulder that was banged up. Um, if he's fully healthy, I think you can expect at least 30 home runs for this guy. Um, I think it's still in there. I really do. We'll see, you know, third base is another position that has a lot of interesting guys that are, you know, it's, it's it's a lot like first base where it's really heavy at the top and then a lot of interesting names and then kind of falls off after about uh, between 15 and 20 or so guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends right now. He has an ADP of 53. When you look at someone like Donaldson, who has an ADP almost twice as much, you know, it's at uh, 96. Um, you got like Eugenio Suarez, who's still going uh, – after Bryant so yeah I mean I think I'm going to be off of Bryant I'm not so sure that I'm as optimistic that he's going to return uh to you know that same type of top tier you know level but um I mean he's still like he's still gonna be solid I mean like I said when I when I rattled off you know 280 I mean 280 is still a good average you know and uh 30 home runs you know that's in there yeah, I mean, like you said, he's going around like 52 right now, ADP. I mean, would you rather have Chris Bryant or Manny Machado right now or for next season? For next season, uh, man, um, I think I'd rather have Machado. Really? Yeah, I think I'm going to have Machado just ahead of him. I would probably take Bryant over Machado. And they're going about two picks apart from each other right now. But, yeah, I mean, I really think that we – Still haven't seen the best of Chris Bryant yet, but he's definitely a name to watch for next season, whether or not he's on the move. Um, 
another guy that I'm intrigued by is is Darvish. That second half is not something to uh, to mess with. I mean, he had a phenomenal second half. Um, you're looking at a guy that really turned it around. I mean, he was walking everybody in the first half, and he significantly dropped that walk rate. And, um, I mean, he had an ERA over five pre-All-Star break, and he managed to bring it down to 276 post-All-Star break. Um, just his whip went from 134 to 0.81. I mean, he made huge strides in his control. Mechanical changes clearly did him well. Um, yeah, I mean, Darvish is a name that I'm going to be going after next year. I mean, do you, do you think Darvish is a top 25 starting pitcher next year? Or is this a guy that still needs to prove a little bit more, prove his health, prove that he's back to his elite ways of a few years ago with the Rangers? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I think he is. I think he's in there at, at least uh, at least in the top 30. Um, and I think he's going to be a value just based on – Based on how he performed in the second half, uh, he, he really, really, we saw it. In the first half, we saw it. he had no control. And that was really his issue. Um, no control whatsoever. He, and, was be, he was being dropped by fantasy players all over the place because everybody was just so frustrated with him. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, we, we all know that fantasy baseball is, is a grind. You know, it's a grind to get through the whole season. We see people check out, you know, halfway through the season all the time and so a lot of times the first half is what sticks is what sticks in a lot of people's minds and so if that's going to suppress Darvish's ADP then I think he's going to come out of value because um, I think you know if you can get him as as like an SP two or three uh, I, I think he's you're, you're going to be happy with him you know given that he stays healthy yeah. I mean, this kind of goes back to the, the Jack Flaherty conversation we were having before about how he had the piss poor first half and the second half, he just turned it on. I mean, same thing for Darvish. And you can get Darvish about what, like 50 picks later, if not more. Um, yeah. I mean, I love the value of Darvish around like 80, 80 P whether or not that sticks or not, I don't know, but yeah, I, I think that's great value for a guy that still has the upside of a top, top 20 pitcher, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, looking at this roster here, another couple guys that, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Javi Baez, um, he was like, you know, second round pick uh, last season, uh, going right now as, you know, some more like a third round pick. Um, yeah, I mean, he's another one of those guys that is just going to outperform his expected metrics just because of, you know, his, his speed, uh, how hard he hits the ball. Uh, I think a couple months ago we had a, you know, our early mock draft, you know, for 2020 kind of discussion. And I, I compared him, I compared Kiston Hira to, to Javi Baez. I think those guys uh, are going to be very similar. So just for me, uh, I, I think I'll probably be off of Baez, especially because he loses some eligibility. I know he's not, I don't think he's second base eligible anymore, or is yeah. it a shortstop? Second base? I don't think he'll be second base eligible right. anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's he's still going pretty high. Um, I probably am going to be off of him as well, unless he drops significantly in ADP. But, I mean, he's still this is still a productive player here. Um, it should be interesting to see how he comes back from that injury. What did he hurt? Was it, was it a finger? Or um, 
Do you remember what kind of kept him out for the last couple of weeks of the season? Oh, I, uh, yeah, I think it was his thumb. Thumb, yeah, thumb contusion. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Baez, obviously a very highly ranked guy. Um, shortstop, I mean, shortstop is a deep position too uh, this year. I don't think you guys have gotten to shortstop in your fan tracks rankings yet, but pff, I mean, some of the name you got, you got Story, Bregman, Lindor, Turner, Tatis. Where Baez fits in that mix, I don't know. Um, Glaber Torres is shortstop eligible as well. Bogarts, I mean, there's a ton of names on that list. So, yeah, I mean, you could probably wait a while for shortstop too, but he's Absolutely. definitely he's definitely a a top option. Yeah, so if you're drafting Baez that high, you're probably you're likely drafting him as a third baseman. Is he going to be third base eligible? Actually, yeah. Yeah, uh he's he won't. He he only played one one game, so he's losing that third base eligibility. Yeah, he was pretty strictly a shortstop last year. I mean, Addison Russell had his issues, so Baez was was the guy over at short. So yeah, uh, I mean, he's, he's going to lose that second base and third base eligibility. It seems like, but regardless, even if he's still shortstop eligible, I mean, you're looking at a 30 home run hundred RBI type guy with maybe 10 to 15 stolen bases sprinkled in there. I mean, can't go wrong with that. Um, his on base percentage is a little low for me, for my liking at 316. I would like to see him, take the walks a little bit more and cut down those strikeouts, which has really been his issue um, his whole career. He's been a strikeout type guy. So we'll see if he can cut that down. But um, I'll be honest, man, looking at this lineup and the staff, this is, this is not the same cubbies from the past few years. They're just kind of lacking that, that star power, that punch that I I don't know. I'm just not, I'm just not feeling it. (laughs) (laughs) especially if they trade some of these big guys. But I'm also looking at this bullpen, and I'm, I, I really don't know a lot of these players. <laughs> I mean, Kimbrell, obviously last year was a weird year for him, being signed midseason. Um, you never like to see a guy signed midseason and just miss out on spring training. We've seen this happen quite a bit. And um, it definitely messed with Kimbrell. He had one of his worst years last year. But I can see Kimbrell with a full spring training, full offseason. I can see Kimbrell kind of returning to form. I think that he can kind of return to that top five elite closer status. Closer relief pitcher is kind of weird next year. I mean, there's not a ton of elite options. A lot of guys regressed, like Diaz and Blake Trinan regressed or – maybe don't even have the closers job anymore. So I think Craig Kimbrell could kind of come back into the conversation and be a top 10, possibly even a top five closer next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing that, you know, number one, you know, closer status going away, you know, we're, we're seeing that less and less now. So it's, it's tough. Um, I think I've never really been one to, draft closer super high, you know, draft one of the you know, top closers on the board. But this next season might be the year to do it. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm actually with you on Kimbrell. I'm not as optimistic. I, I don't know if he can return, like, to top five. But um, 
yeah, I, I think I, I agree. I agree that I think he's going to come as a value just also because of what they invested in him. Um, you, you know that he's going to have the job. Yeah. So you're saying this might be the year to invest in a closer early. So I think Hader is the clear cut top option. Who, who's, who else are you, would you target that early? Uh, I love Kirby Yates. I think I would go Hader one, Kirby Yates two, and then Chapman three right now. And I'm probably off of Chapman altogether. But yeah, I think Hader and Yates are the one and two. I don't think anybody would have expected us to say Kirby Yates is a top two closer <laughs> this time last year uh, or going into last season. But I'm not as high on Kirby Yates. I really think that he's going to be trade bait for the Padres. They have um, they have Munoz, right? Munoz yeah. kind of in the wings there. I mean, he's he's definitely the closer of the future over there. I could see them moving Kirby, whether it be for a starting pitcher or some other pieces. I mean, they're a team that – needs to start thinking about trading some pieces to contend now um, while these guys are young and in their prime. So I'm not as high on Kirby Yates, um, but yeah, I think Kimbrell could return to that discussion. We don't need to talk about the Padres right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, so just one last name before we move on. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. I know <laughs> I know our buddy Mike is yeah. very is very big on Kyle Schwarber this year. Um I don't know, man. I'm just I don't think I'm as optimistic as he uh, as he is on Schwarber. Um I don't know. I just uh, there's just something about Schwarber. I mean, his his stack cast metrics, I mean, obviously his exit velo, his hard hit percentage, his X slugging, I mean, those are through the roof. I mean, it's hard to judge based on this past season with the ball being juiced. I mean, everybody, everybody hit 30 home runs. Exactly. It seems like everybody hit 40 home runs. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, Schwarber here had, you know, 250 average and 38 home runs. It, it just, it seems like there's just so many of these guys right now, you know, like uh, Mike Moustakis, Jock Peterson. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of them. And so it, it's hard to know. It's hard to know right now who's going to carry that over. You know, the, the what what ball they use next year is going to make a big difference. Yeah. You know, so it's it's tough. I, I do like, I do like the growth that uh, Schwarber has has shown. I mean, he's he's always walked a lot, so I mean, you like that. He cut down the strikeouts a bit. So I mean, those two things there, you know, they're kind of independent of of the ball. So you do see uh, some growth there, uh, and you know, the fact that he hits the ball so hard, you know, you like putting those things together. So. Um, I, I like Schwarber. I need to get a little bit deeper into it, but as someone who's, uh, you know, going after the top 100, um, he's one of those that maybe, you know, one of those in this clump of guys that kind of all are very similar, uh, yeah. maybe that you could buy into just a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like that he has um, improved on his average the past few years. He's definitely improved in that area. Um, like you said, he, he takes his walks. But, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, the home runs are going to be there. Um, and this juice ball, it's, it's definitely going to be um, a major um, – it's definitely going to be a major factor in his success next season. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm not as optimistic as Mike is on him. But, yeah, I mean, he's a nice piece. I think you guys were talking about Schwarber in a previous podcast. And if, if Contreras does get dealt – if that means Schwarber might get time at catcher, 
I would be very surprised if that happens. I think those days of him being a catcher are long gone. I, just like I saying, <laughs> just like saying Bryce Harper's days as a catcher are long gone. I, I don't see it happening. I'm not even gonna put that on the table. I, I just don't think it happens. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree there. But yeah, definitely a name to watch for next year. And honestly, I mean, that really kind of wraps up the Cubs. There's really not a ton of other guys that are really fantasy relevant, I don't think. So with that being said, um, I say we move on to a team that actually is pretty intriguing in my eyes, hopefully yours as well, and that is the Cincinnati Reds. Um, this is a team that really has some nice nice pieces, um, whether it be a mix of veterans, a mix of young guys. Um, this team was fun to watch last year, and they had one of the best pitching staffs and bullpens in the game. Um, it's, a, it's a very intriguing team this year. I see them being a player in free agency, whether it be Rendon or possibly um, a Strasburg or Garrett Cole type guy. I, I honestly doubt either of them go to Cincinnati. But Rendon should be interesting, although I don't really know what would happen. You got Suarez over there, but right. they've, they've come out and said they would be interested. But I can definitely see this team making noise this year. What are your initial thoughts on the Reds next year? Yeah, so the, the, the Reds team is, is very interesting. I mean, especially that pitching staff. But, um, you know, just taking, taking a look here, some of the free agents, we'll see what, what they do with Puig, uh, you know, where, where Puig's going to go. Um, and then well, uh, Puig, Puig is actually in India now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You're, you're right. But I'm <laughs> you know, completely. Maybe, maybe he'll come back. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll come back. No, but um, you know, Alex Wood, he's another guy that I can definitely see like the Giants signing someone like Alex Wood. That would be a giant signing. <laughs> that would, yeah, taking one of these uh, like reclamation projects here, um, and yeah, they would, I mean, they would put him in the bullpen, and he would become a relief ace and trade it to a contender. That's probably what would happen. Oh wait, yeah. that already happened with Pomerantz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, you know, yeah. So taking a look at this lineup, um, you know, you've got Jesse Winker, Joey Votto, uh, of course, Eugenio Suarez, who really broke out last season. Um, Aristides Aquino, who's interesting, you know, he, he was taking the world by storm, you know, those middle months of the season when he initially had come up. Yeah. I mean, aside from that, uh, it's, I mean, do you buy into the Suarez breakout? I do to an extent. (laughs) I mean, like we were saying, this, this kind of applies to the Schwarber conversation as well. I mean, the juice ball really has an effect on on this guy's stats last year. I just I don't see him hitting nearly 50 home runs again. I really don't. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean he's a a productive player um in terms of where he's going in drafts and who's going around him. I mean right now so right now he's going around uh he's going around 40 41 uh, pick 45, excuse me. He's going around 45 right now. And I mean, there's some other names right around him that I prefer over Suarez. Guys like Austin Meadows, guys like George Springer, 
the other third baseman kind of going right there is is Vlad Jr. I mean, how do you feel about those two? Um, do you have a preference in terms of those two? Oh man, um, for me, it just depends on what you. It depends on what you need. Um, at this point, I think that Suarez. I, I think just taking a look at into him, you know, his exit velocity actually went down a little bit this season, but his his launch angle went up. So um, uh, he re- it really looks like he kind of sold out a little bit for power. Uh, he he pulled the ball a lot more, like a good ten percent more than he had he had been pulling the ball. So it looks like he turned into this hitter that was like maybe sacrificing a little bit of batting average to really get that power to mm-hmm. uh, to unlock that power. So I think this is probably who he is at this point. It's probably going to be you know a 260, 270 hitter, uh, mid 30s home runs, 40 home run potential. So really, I mean, I I, I really like Vlad as you know someone that I'm. I'm in on for next season. I think at this point, I'm probably taking Suarez. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think this is the ceiling for Suarez. I really don't think you're going to top this. Um, 50 homers, 100 ribbies, 270. I mean, I think that is the best you're going to see from this guy. Um, but I mean, the question is, what what is his floor? I mean, are you looking at a 40 home run guy, um, 35, 40 home run guy? I mean, you still can't go wrong with that. Um, I just personally think that um, that ADP is a little high for me with Suarez. Uh, I would like to see him uh, replicate this performance before committing that high personally. But yeah, I mean, he had a great season, no doubting that. And yeah, I mean, he should have another solid season next year, whether or not he comes close to those numbers. Don't know. But yeah, I mean, definitely a good a good source of uh, a good third base option next year for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, aside from that and that lineup, there's just so much yet to be determined just because of, you know, they're, it looks like they're going in this season, you know, as buyers. They're, yep. you know, they have, they have interest in, in a lot of those top guys, a lot of the top hitters. So, yeah, I mean, that, the offense was, was the big issue with this team and why they weren't competitive last year. Um, we saw a, a huge down year from Joey Votto, which is very concerning. Um, it seems like Vado might might be done. Although, um, based on his his ADP, um, I mean, you can't go wrong with a late flyer on Joey Vado, especially if it's if it's an OBP league. I mean, the guy still takes his walks. But other than that, you're you're not getting much power production anymore. Um, I really think he's on the last leg of his career here. But yeah. If they can sign a piece or two, I mean, this pitching staff is is that good right now that this is a, a team that could be very dangerous. But one of the guys you mentioned him before, um, Aristides Aquino. Um, I'm I'm intrigued by this guy, man. I I had him down the stretch for not down the stretch. I had him for his hot stretch, and boy, did I I enjoyed that. I really did. I don't know if that'll happen again. I mean, that was. That was Trevor Story esque bursting on the scene. Yeah. Um, what did he hit? Like the most uh, most home runs through like his first 10, 20 games. I don't I don't remember the exact numbers, but he he was just he was on another level. He was on a video game level. But um, the thing that's interesting about Aquino is this guy can actually run as well. Yeah. His sprint speed sprint speed. He's in about the ninetieth percentile. I mean. This guy, he stole seven bases in um, 200, 205 at-bats. Uh, he came up midseason, 
And I mean, he can contribute. I think he was also, I think he was seven for seven. He didn't get caught stealing once. So um, if he plays a full season, man, you're looking at a, a possible 20, 20 stolen base guy to top it off with uh, 30, 40 home runs, depending on what kind of ball we're using next year. I would take that production all day. Um, it depends on, on where he's going. Um, but right now, He's going at about 140. I, I, I think top 150. I think he's a top 150 player. Really do. I think you can get that production out of him. Yeah, yeah. And now, you know, where are you on someone like Nick Senzel? I am not a Senzel guy. I was not last year. I'm not this year. I mean, the big thing with him, he has, he's got all the tools to get it done. But the problem with him is health. It reminds yeah. me of like a, like a Byron Buxton type player he's got all the tools to succeed at the big league level but he can't stay healthy whether or not it's fluke injuries which it is partially but um the guy can't stay healthy and until he shows me that he can stay healthy i'm out i'm out on senzo what yeah. about you yeah i'm with you i'm with you just those health concerns you're not sure if that potential is ever going to come to fruition um He's yeah. going. He's going only ten picks later than Aquino. Yeah, and I think I would take the upside in Aquino. You know, if you're talking about their ADPs being that close. Yep. Yeah. So Senzel's going about one fifty right now. Guys going around him. I mean, I don't love a lot of these guys, but a guy like Joe Adele, who hasn't even been in the big leagues yet, he's going a few picks later. I honestly would rather roll with Adele because I think he'll be up within a month or so. Um, guys like Buxton are shortly after him in ADP. I mean, same situation. I mean, it makes sense. They're five picks away from each other in ADP right now. Same type of player in my eyes. But a guy like Kevin Biggio going 10 picks later than Senzel, I'm, I would take Biggio over Senzel every time. Um, but yeah, Senzel needs to prove that he can stay healthy for a full season before I invest in that. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, moving on now to the pitching staff. I mean, this is really where the good stuff is with this team. Um, oh, yeah. You've got three guys here um, at the top with Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, and Trevor Bauer. And you know that I loved Sonny Gray last season. Um, yeah, man. He might, c- compared to their ADPs, he might be my favorite guy. I'm probably going to have him more than any of these guys on my team's next season. This is just weird because you were so big on Sonny Gray and you were even bigger on Trevor Bauer last year. You had Bauer as a top three pitcher last year, very early on, granted. You had Bauer (laughs) as like a top three pitcher last year, and we all know how that worked out. But those are two of your guys, man. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, we're we're looking – Bauer, now he's he's likely going to probably go ahead of Sonny Gray still. I mean – I'm not sure where they're going now, but yeah, I feel like that 2018 Bauer season is still going to carry a lot of weight just because of what, you know, he showed that he can do. But I mean, you look at Bauer with the Reds, he had a a 6.39 ERA with the Reds, uh, you know, and a 3.79 ERA with Cleveland. Now we all know that last season, the AL Central was one to target for pitchers. We all know that it was, you know, a pitcher's heaven that, you know, that helped so. Uh, how much of it, you know, is that? Because a lot of the other statistics, a lot of the other metrics look pretty much the same from Cleveland to Cincinnati. So, 
I mean, at the ballpark, you don't like, you know, don't like the ballpark change. Um, don't necessarily like the division change. So we'll see. I, I think honestly, so, uh, Sonny Gray is going to be my favorite guy out of this group to, you know, going into next season. We kind of saw a, a shift, you know, with, with Bauer, we saw in, in, in Cleveland that he was going deep into games, you know, struggling or not. He, he was finishing out innings. And early on in the season, it was the, the other way for Sonny Gray. It looked like Cincinnati was kind of, you know, babying him along a little bit. Uh, he was going mostly, you know, four or five innings. Uh, and they weren't really pushing him. Uh, but, you know, we saw in the second half that kind of flip-flop. Trevor Bauer came over to Cincinnati, and he, he was getting lit up and getting pulled. You know, I think he only had half of his starts in, in Cincinnati go more than – go six innings or more. So, I mean, and, and then Sonny Gray, they kind of they took the – you know, they, they kind of let him, let him go in, in, in the second half. They, they weren't really – holding him back as much anymore so yeah I think um, I, I'm really big on on Sonny Gray I, I like what he's done there in Cincinnati and I think um, yeah he's gonna if you can get him after the top 100 as your third starting pitcher I would love that I mean and as high as starting pitching is going you know if you even get him as a fourth that's that's crazy to me yeah it's great value um, look, at, I looked up ADP. So Bauer's going 81 right now, and Sonny Gray is going 106. Right. So it's uh, definitely getting some major value with Sonny Gray that late. Um, but this pitching coach for for Cincinnati, uh, Derek Johnson, I think it was Sonny Gray's college pitching coach over at Vanderbilt. Yeah, he, he's just turned around the staff. Um, I mean, Luis Castillo took a huge leap forward last year. Disclafani was healthy. He looked really good down the stretch last year. And right now on roster resource, their, their fifth guy is Tyler Malley, who I actually, I'm higher. I think you're high on him too. I think I remember you saying, but I mean, he's a nice, he was a nice streaming option last year. Um, I mean, he's got really good stuff. He's got three quality pitches. Um, he can get the job done. He can get you some strikeouts, eat some innings. Um, he's an intriguing name as well in that staff. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah, you know, Desclafani is interesting. They got uh, Molly in there right now. Now, they did just acquire Jose De Leon. Love uh, yeah, I know we were kind of talking about that uh, off the air. So we'll see what their plans are there. I can definitely see Molly moving over to the bullpen uh, just because, I mean, he finished the season with a 5.14 ERA. And he's got pretty good stuff. You know, I, I agree with you there. And I feel like for the last few years now, I've been, you know, watch, uh, keeping an eye on Molly as like, you know, a, a sleeper type of guy. But at this point, um, you know, just looking at his numbers, uh, first two times through the order, uh, first time through the order, he has a 3.59 ERA. Second time through the order, a 3.58 ERA. His third time through the order, 12.88 ERA. <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, sounds, it sounds about right. There's been there were so many times last exactly. year where he went like five innings, maybe one one hit given up or something, and then he just yep. blows it up. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I completely believe that. That's, I went through that. Yeah, I I saw that. <laughs> that's a, that's, a, many that's a good stat right there. But yeah, that's right. completely spot on. Um, so yeah, I mean, if he continues to do that, then Deleon, 
might have an opportunity. I mean, this is actually, they have a pretty solid bullpen too. A lot of good bullpen pieces. You got Iglesias, who is likely your closer, who kind of struggled last year, honestly. Um, but you got guys like Michael Lorenzen, who very versatile, obviously Lorenzen. Amir Garrett had a great season. Yeah. And they also have Kevin Gossman in the bullpen, who is a possible candidate for that fifth starter job as well. There, were, I heard rumblings that he might um, go back to starting. And uh, Lucas Sims, another former top prospect, Cody Reed. I mean, they have a lot of good options in that bullpen. So this is definitely a team to, uh, to watch next year. I think they um, are a team on the rise, and this is not a team to mess around with. This is not an, an easy win anymore. Uh, this team definitely has some pieces to make some noise next year. Um, anybody else you want to touch upon on the Reds, or do we kind of uh, hit upon all the big ones? No, I, I think I think we pretty much pretty much covered it. Um, really, like I said, really excited about that pitching staff, um, especially yeah. especially big, Sonny Gray. He's my guy there. Yep, that's a big one-two-three punch um, of Sonny, Castillo, and Bauer. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun to watch next year. And uh, yeah, let's just kind of move it right along to the uh, the NL Wild Card team, and that's the Brewers who just came out with some really nice-looking new uniforms, I have to say. <laughs> Did you see those? <laughs> I saw how expensive they are. <laughs> yeah, well, what uniforms aren't expensive anymore? Uh, but, yeah, they got some nice navy navy blue and some pinstripes. They, they look good. Um, but this team has <laughs> – pulling this team up, they have a ton of free agents right now. Um, guys like Grandal, who was a huge player for them last year. Grandal and Mustakas are the big ones that really could hurt if they lose both of those guys. But yeah, I mean, this, this team, they have some nice pieces as well. Obviously you're looking at a, uh, a consensus top three player in Christian Yelich. That's a whole nother debate as to where he goes in that top three, but he's in the top three. That's for sure. He should come back healthy um, from that um, fractured kneecap. Um, I don't see any concerns about him and limitations on him running. Um, I still expect him to uh, get get his 30 bags, swipe 30 bags. I know a guy that you were really big on last year was uh, was Keston Hira. Uh, how you feeling? I know you guys just kind of put out your second base rankings. How how you feeling about Keston Hira going into next season? Yeah, so I have him actually as a top five second baseman. Um, I have him ahead of Whoa. Ozzy Albies. Um, like I said, I, I had made the comp to, to Javi Baez before uh, a few months ago, and I think that's going to hold true. I think you're going to be able to get like a Javi Baez type player, you know, much later in, in Keston Hira. Uh, he hit 303 uh, last season, which that's very unlikely to be sustained with a 30% strikeout rate. Um, so kind of know that, but just as hard as he hits the ball, uh, you're looking at possibly, you know, right around 270 type of hitter. Um, 30 home runs, double-digit steals, uh, good ballpark, good lineup. It's all there. It's all there for Hira, um, especially if they keep him. Uh, later on in the season, he was he was hitting, uh, you know, in the top third of the order. So if he stays there, um, I, I like it. I like it a lot. 24% line drive rate, considering considering how hard he hits the ball, you know, that's he, he's going to have a good – that's going to help his average. It's going to help the, the BABIP. Um, you know, so if he can if he can cut the strikeouts, I mean, even better. But uh, right now, just based on on what I'm seeing here, 
yeah, you're looking like at a 275 kind of guy um, with uh, with a uh, huge potential. Um, that 13.9% barrel rate was top eight in the league. So yeah, I was going to say you know, the ball it's, hard. Uh-huh. it's a small sample size, but that barrel percentage and that hard hit rate are, are very impressive. You can't ignore that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. I, so I, I love me some, uh, some Kiston here at second base. So you really have him as top five. Yeah. Yeah, I do. You have him over, over Merrifield and Albies. I'll take it. Yeah, I do. I have him. I have him ahead of Albies. I have him just behind um, Jose Altuve, uh, Cattell Marte, Glaber Torres. Um, I think I might actually have him number four. Yeah, I think I might have him number four. Very aggressive, but I like it, man. Um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a name to watch next year. Um, it just blows my mind how they sent him down midseason. Um, He's he's definitely a full time guy moving forward, um, so definitely I think he's one of the biggest offensive guys to watch for over there. If um, if Mustakas comes back, I I still like Mustakas. I know Mike was a big Mustakas fan as well. Mustakas had a, a great season. I love the third base, second base eligibility. Um, I mean, in the juice ball era that we're in, I mean, you're looking at a 30, 40 home run guy in Mustakas. Uh, I kind of hope he comes back, but. The guy also needs to get a multi-year deal. I kind of feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been, if you look at it, him and, and Hosmer forever going to be tied, you know, because uh their time with the Royals. Uh, he's probably been more valuable than than uh, Hosmer, and Hosmer's the one that got paid. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one of the, uh, the big things that this team really needs to kind of take the next level, I think they really need to kind of work on this this rotation they've they've had multiple opportunities in recent years to go out and acquire a big name starter for these playoff pushes the past two or three years and they just haven't done it um this this rotation they i think they overachieved last year um and that's with jimmy nelson who really uh was out pretty much the whole season was was a non non-option all season long um, I think Davies overachieved. You've got Adrian Hauser, who who's pretty solid. Um, I think you're pretty you're higher on him. Um, I know our other co-host SP Streamer is a, a Hauser fan as well. But I, I, obviously, the the top option is Woodruff over there. Um, Woodruff is 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 an interesting player. I mean, possible top twenty option um at the starting pitcher position i mean woodruff is among the league leaders um in barrel percentage exit velo hard hit rate among pitchers uh he really limits limits hard contact he he's got a very strong k rate very low walk rate um that's really what you look for in pitchers um i know the issue down the stretch with him was kind of staying healthy but if you can put that behind him i mean you're looking at possible SP one upside here. Um, I think he kind of slots in more right now as an SP two, but um, yeah, it would really be nice if this team could go out and just acquire an ace. Um, I don't know if you want Woodruff leading the staff right now, but I mean, if they can go out and get a guy like Strasburg, I think that would be huge for this team. I don't think it'll happen, but um, yeah, I mean, this team just needs, I think another pitcher or two to really uh, make some noise in that division. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. They 
I think the Brewers more than anyone in the division that can definitely use that um, that ace. You know, if they can go ahead and go get that guy like uh, Strasburg, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I think that'd do wonders. Pair him up with that with a guy like Woodruff, who who I like. I know um, I know Mike likes him too. Yeah, I know there's a, there's a ton of potential there. Uh, he's you know primarily a two pitch guy, that fastball slider. Um, so I, I I don't know. I mean, Woodruff's a hard one right now to to pin down. Yeah, we don't have a ton of info to go off of with him. Um, just been banged up, and really he just kind of burst onto the scene last year. So it's it's hard to predict. That's kind of why I'll probably have him a little bit lower in my rankings, just because we really don't have much to go off of. But yeah, I mean, this team, they really do this whole bullpenning thing way too much. Um, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, you can't be if – you're, if you're making the playoffs, you can't be going out there and starting Zach Davies or Freddie Peralta. Like, I'm sorry, that's just not going to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to take the next step, they need somebody else. Um, but I think the most fantasy-relevant pitcher there is, is Brandon Woodruff by far. Obviously, um, I think we're, it's pretty – pretty much a consensus that Hader is is your top option as closer even though he kind of struggled down the stretch I mean overall he still had a Hader a Hader-esque year um he was pretty much lights out um most of the season just with some rough patches in September so you can't really go wrong with Hader as well oh yeah yeah absolutely um what are your thoughts on oh go ahead I'm sorry no, yeah, that that kind of that kind of just uh, touches all the relevant um, you know pitchers there as of right now. Um, yeah, like you said, Hauser. I know our, our guy SP Streamer likes him. Came, came out with an article um, about him. He was better. He was more effective in the bullpen um, than in the rotation. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how he does there. I just I do like the strikeout rate and the, the ground ball rate. So really, when looking at these kind of late, really late flyers uh, w- with potential, that's really what I'm looking for here. Is uh, do they have a strong ground ball rate and can they strike guys out? Yeah. I think Hauser's a nice late round flyer. Like you said, um, he really provided some, some nice streaming victories for, for fantasy players down the stretch last year. But yeah, I mean, right now he's slotted in as SP two for the Brewers. Right. Um, so we'll see how that works out, but yeah, I agree. I think, uh, another name, I mean, you were also really high on Jimmy Nelson last year. We were expecting the big comeback from, from yeah. I don't know if it was Tommy John or shoulder surgery, but he kind of underwhelmed last year in his return. I know he kind of um, um, got re-injured, I guess, along the way, but it's possible that maybe next year he kind of is that player that we thought we would see in the second half next year. Uh, last year, sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I hope so. Um, yeah, I'm a big Jimmy Nelson fan. Uh, I, I remember owning him. I think was it 2017 um yeah because he missed all of 2018 yeah he was on the verge of becoming that ace over there so it'd be nice to see that actually come to fruition um but yeah um and then just uh i mean aside from that just looking a couple at a couple of these guys um in, in the lineup uh lorenzo kane how, how do you feel about lorenzo kane um i'm not i'm not thrilled <laughs> by him um he really um i mean he's he's a nice stolen base source but other than that like there's nothing that really stands out his his hard hit rate is kind of 
average exit velo, average, um, even his his sprint speed. Uh, I think he's kind of lost a step the past few years. Right. Um, I mean, he's really what stands out with him is is his defensive prowess. Um, offensively, fantasy wise, there's nothing that just jumps out to me. I mean, he took a huge dip in average. He dropped about uh, 50 points in average last year. Yeah. So I don't love that. Um, it's not somebody that I'm going to go crazy for. Um, I mean, some of his stack cast metrics, I mean, his barrel percentage is, is well below the league average along with um, eh, his hard hit rate is actually is actually pretty good. Um, decent walk rate, decent strikeout rate, but overall, I mean, I just he's a mediocre fantasy player for me. It's not nothing that excites me too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm pretty much with you. Like you said, uh, everything else regarding his his metrics, his Statcast metrics. I mean, it kind of all looks in line with with his career. Now, one thing I will say is. He, because he's going so late right now, uh, and I think that's just kind of you know people are kind of have kind of soured on him. Uh, he he did underperform his his expected batting average significantly. He did hit two sixty, and uh, he had an expected batting average of two ninety, right in line with you know where he's been in his career. His exit velocity is kind of right in there um, as well with his career averages, uh, as well as his hard hit percentage. Now he did strike out a little bit more, but not really too much more than than what we've been used to so i think that he is someone uh, if he's going you know past the first like top 150 175 i mean i think right now his adp is in the 200s i mean for someone who can hit for me i think you know he can come back next season and lead off again and, and hit 280 290 um i think i i agree i don't think that we're going to see the same stolen base numbers. You know, last year was kind of a low for him at 18 and his sprint speed is down almost a full foot per second, you know? Um, So I think that's the, that's the one thing with, with age here with Lorenzo Cain is is we're going to see him slow down and uh, not be so efficient on, on the Bates pass. I think he stole 18 bases and was caught, uh, I believe eight times. Yeah. He was caught eight times. So, you know, he's losing that efficiency and he's losing that step. But, you know, especially for like maybe Roto Leagues, if you can get someone who can hit that, you know, 280, 290, score a bunch of runs and give you maybe 15 home runs uh, and maybe 15 stolen bases, then uh, I think there's still something there to like. Yeah. I would take a flyer on him in Roto, but like points, right. points leagues, I'm probably not interested. Um, yeah, I mean... The stolen bases are really what intrigues me. But, yeah, I mean, he's definitely lost a step or two, and the production has declined in recent years. So, I mean, it's a nice third, fourth outfielder type to have on your team. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, just uh, one more guy, I guess, here. That's a, another really late late flyer is uh, Trent Grisham. Right now, you know, Trent Grisham, they have him slotted as a you know starting outfield there so i mean the guy has elite sprint speed 29.1 feet per second was 93rd percentile uh right now uh, these projection systems have him going for you know 20 home runs and uh 10 stolen bases so uh, i think there's a little bit to like there i know when he came up i was a little intrigued by by grisham uh, especially especially in that park um in that lineup uh, I, I think he's he could be a 
really sneaky late round uh, flyer, especially for for steals and a little bit of pot. Yeah, I like that pick. Last time we saw Grisham, uh, things didn't end so well. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully he works on his uh, on shagging some fly balls and some ground balls out there next year. But um, but yeah, Trent Grisham definitely another name to watch for next season. Um, but yeah, the Brewers, a few guys to target next year. Um, I think some of the other teams um, that we've touched upon maybe have a little bit more fantasy relevant players, but yeah, there's still definitely a handful of guys that are worth, um, taking pretty high in drafts next year. So I think that kind of wraps up the Brewers and to close things out, let's touch upon the pirates who are just kind of all over the place right now. Right. Uh, They're with their ownership and their coaching staff. They don't even have a coach yet. I don't think. Um, so a lot of this is is really up in the air. Uh, no major free agents. Um, Pende, I mean, Liriano, Jung Ogong, um, really not interested in either. It's an interesting team, but they just I, – I just – I really feel bad for Pirates fans. <laughs> yeah. They really do. They've traded away so much talent over the years just to watch them blossom – whether it be Austin Meadows, whether it be Glasnow, whether it be trading for Archer, which was just a horrible move. Um, but they still have some good young pieces. I just hope that this new coaching staff knows how to get the best out of these players because it's a shame. Um, we Garrett Cole, prime example. Garrett Cole just could not um, reach his full potential there, and he goes to the Astros. Granted, anybody goes to the Astros, they probably reach their full potential. But, um, yeah, there's just a ton of talent on this team, and we just we don't really know what we're getting out of these guys. Um, they have some good offensive weapons, whether it be Starling Marte, Josh Bell had a huge year last year. Uh, Josh Bell is, is one of the more intriguing names for me. Um, I know you guys did your, your first base ranks. We're going to go in one of our next podcasts is going to be going over first base uh, next year. But we were talking earlier about Goldschmidt. Um, I think Josh Bell is right there with him. We we saw a career year from Josh Bell, and um, I definitely think he's worth consideration of a top five first base ranking. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Bell for next year? Yeah, I, I like Bell a ton. Um, I, have him, I actually have him ahead of Goldschmidt uh, in my first base ranking. So I, I just think that, you know, he's shown he's been kind of up and down in, in what kind of player he is. I think last year we saw for that period of time him kind of putting it all together. Unfortunately, you know, he, he went on a slump after the, the All-Star break and, and he, he was kind of hurt a little bit there. But I see him as someone who, yeah, I can trust to have a, a decent average uh, who I think at this point uh, is good for, you know, that – 30 home runs, you know, maybe 20 to 30 home runs uh, kind of guy with, with a good average. He's going to drive in a bunch of runs, you know. So I think uh, I, I like the plate discipline. The plate discipline's always been there for, for Bell. Uh, you know, this is just one, one reason why I have him just ahead of someone like Matt Olson, who, I mean, I love Matt Olson, but uh, I, I just, the plate discipline, uh, I, I think the, the average is, is, is there a little bit more. Uh, for Bell and 
yeah, he, he's kind of, he kind of put it all together. And, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that next season. Yeah. His, his stack cast metrics are off the charts though. <laughs> I mean, his hard hit rate, um, his weighted on base, X slugging, exit below. They're all right at the top of the leaderboards. So, I mean, this guy clearly has all the skills that he needs to succeed in this league, but yeah, like you said, I mean, he just struggled down the stretch, whether it be the injury or just other reasons, but um, 302 pre all-star break. And then he had 233 after that. That has to be concerning if, you, if this is a guy that you're taking that early in the draft uh, next year. I mean, this is a guy who is going, where's he going? He's going about 63 right now. Um, Goldschmidt's going right there. Guys like Jorge Soler, Anthony Rizzo, Real Muto. I mean, it's got to be tough to take Josh. I mean, you, you really don't know what you're going to get next year. I mean, it was a nice first half, but he struggled in the second half. Um, you don't know which Josh Bell you're going to get. So I don't know. That might be an aggressive ranking in the top 60. Yeah, so I, I think he's actually going to be very similar to to, to Rizzo, actually. Um, I think he's probably got, I mean, a little bit more power upside at this point. But, uh, did, did you, you know, Rizzo's Bell? got the track record. Did you put Bell or Rizzo first? In, uh, who's higher in your rankings between Bell or Rizzo? I actually put Bell one spot ahead of Rizzo. Yeah, I think I would do that too. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, I mean, Bell, he's he's really going to be the stud of, of this lineup. Um, but, I mean, there's him and, and uh, Starling Marte. I mean, <laughs> I just it just seems like this guy's gonna go undervalued again. Um, he's gonna be there in the third round, uh, who, you know, a third round guy who's gonna give you twenty twenty and a near three hundred average, and you know that's that's incredibly valuable. Um, he's gonna be one of my favorite targets there. Yeah, I mean the stolen bases in this day and age. We've said we said it before. We'll say it again. It's just it's very. It's very uncommon these days to find guys like this. Um, but, yeah, 25 stolen bases. I'll take that all day, especially in Roto. Um, I know this Starling Marte has, has been rumored to be on the trading block right now, too. I'm kind of hoping the Mets <laughs> take a run at him. Uh, he's a nice center field piece that can that can run a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I've, I've never really been super high on Starling Marte, but – Looking at uh, at some of his metrics here, I mean, he's he's a nice little player, a nice little bargain, I think, kind of mid mid draft. I think the stolen bases are going to be huge for him, but Marte Bell, I think those are the top two pieces. Brian Reynolds is a guy that I'm intrigued by. Um, he yeah. almost won himself a batting title last year. Granted, uh, he had way less at bats than guys like Yelich. Uh, but, but yeah, he really could be a nice late round value average department on base percentage. If you play in on base percentage leagues, um, Brian Reynolds could definitely give you a boost there and Brian Reynolds. I mean, right now he's going, going about 186. I expect that to rise in the coming months as we lead up to draft season. But, um, that's a, that's a great late round value, especially, Roto, even categories leagues. I mean, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna steal you a few bags as well. As he's he's definitely gonna provide um, contributions to multiple categories. So I think Brian Reynolds is another guy to target late in drafts. 
Um, in terms of um, other offensive guys, does, does Gregory Polanco, we've, we've been saying this guy's name for years now. We've been, <laughs> no. we've, been, we've been waiting for him to break out. Is this anybody that intrudes you for next year, or are we kind of still off that bandwagon? No, I'm off of that. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Um, I'm with you on Brian Reynolds, man. I, I like him a lot. Um, you know, that, that batting average, getting that batting average so late. And he's probably going to go higher in Roto Leagues than, like, points leagues uh, just because of that batting average. Uh, you know, he hit, it was, yeah, 314 last season. Uh, only 19 qualified hitters hit over 300, uh, you know, so – and all of them, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to just go, I'm not going to rattle off all 18 names right now, but let's just say just about all of them are top 100 players with the exception of uh, like Hanser Alberto. Uh, but I mean, when all the rest of those guys are top 100 players and you're looking at Brian Reynolds here, um, you know, who's going at 186, you know, he's, he's probably going to be pushed up to maybe like around the 150 range, but if he's going post 150, I mean, yeah, I, I like that all day. Yeah, I agree. Definitely one of my favorite targets on this team late in drafts. But I think the real thing that stands out for this team is is, is their pitching. They have a few options, um, whether it be Mitch Keller, whether it be Joe Musgrove, dare I say it's Chris Archer. Uh, they have a few a few decent pitching options over there. Um, you were huge on Joe Musgrove. He was one of your big time. Uh, he was one of your, in, in our, my guys episodes last year, Joe Musgrove was a guy that you were kind of harping up a little bit. He was good for the first half and then he kind of, uh, he got banged up a little bit. Um, but what are your thoughts on Musgrove going to this year? Are you kind of back on that bandwagon or have you kind of cooled off on Musgrove a little bit? Um, I mean, I think that there's, I think there's still plenty of like to like with, with Musgrove. Um, I'm a little more cautious this season, of course, you know, I, I just, I feel like there was so many, there, there were just quite a few outings where he just got like unlucky, like he was rolling and then uh, he got caught in a rain delay. I think there was probably like a good two, three starts where, <laughs> I do you know, it's that. like you see it coming like, oh man, Musgrove, you know, yeah, he, he was, a, he was cruising. Yeah. He's cruising. And then, oh, rain delay. Um, or, you know, gets into a fight with Josh Donaldson. <laughs> um, so, no, I mean, I think there's still plenty of like uh, to like with Musgrove. Um, you know, he did have a 4.44 ERA with a 3.82 FIP. So, um, you know, he maybe got a little unlucky there. Uh, 63% uh, left on base percentage. Uh, the average you want to see is like right around 70%. So there's, you know, some some room for regression there. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's still plenty to like. He, he did, you know, the the control numbers did dip a little bit uh, from the previous season. Uh, did walk a few more batters, but uh, he also struck out a little bit more than he did in 2018. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I still like Musgrove. I I don't think he's someone that I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. You know, I'm not sure where he's going right now um, in drafts, but no, yeah, I think there's still plenty to like there with with Joe Musgrove. Yeah, I agree. So what I would probably take a, a late round flyer. He's going about like two to two thirty range right now. Um, I mean, some of the guys that he's going around, guys like Marco Gonzalez, Mike Fires, Joey Lucchese. I think I'd take a chance on Musgrove over all those guys. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so too. Uh, if he's going post 200, yeah, absolutely. If he's going post 200, he's going to be on uh, on a lot of my teams. Yeah. I think one of the big names to watch for on this pitching staff next year is Mitch Keller. We've been uh, we've been hearing about this guy for the past few seasons. He had a a huge breakout. Uh, I think it was I think it was 20, 2017, 2017 or twenty eighteen. He had a huge breakout season in the minors. I think it was I think it was twenty eighteen. Um, huge breakout season, and um, he kind of underwhelmed a little bit last year. Pretty disappointing um, overall turnout in his ERA. I mean, he had an ERA over seven last year. Um, in 11 games that he started um, ERA over seven, but his metrics show, I mean, his FIP was three, one, nine X FIP was three, four, seven. So he definitely got a little unlucky in some of those starts. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he's not an uh, ERA seven type pitcher. I mean, this is a guy he needs to work on his control a little bit, but I mean, this is a guy who could probably be um, three, five ERA. Um, I mean, this could be, the future ace of this staff here. And um, I think he's probably the most intriguing name on this staff next year. Um, any, any thoughts? Oh, drag racing over there. Yeah. <laughs> this would not be an episode of bases uh, loaded with. Yeah, me seriously. <laughs> Sounds like they're filming a, uh, a sequel to fast and the furious over there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They might be. <laughs> Mitch Keller, is that somebody that intrigues you next year? Or are you going to kind of stay away from him? No, yeah. I mean, uh, there's plenty of potential there. I know our guy, SB Streamer, he has an article up right now on his site, uh, you know, kind of going a little deeper into Mitch Keller. And, um, yeah, I mean, the strikeouts are there. Um, you can clear, you can see that just how unlucky he was. If I, I just mentioned the left on base percentage that you want to see, like around 70%, and he had a 59% left on base percentage. Uh, you know, so, and then like you mentioned, like the, the indicators, they, they all were much, much lower, significantly lower than his ERA. So, um, yeah, just like Musgrove, I think there's plenty to like there. And he actually shows like his, his stuff is actually, you know, he's probably got better stuff. So, got plenty of potential um you know i'm not so sure how you know about the upside how how high like he can he could be but i mean with those strikeouts and um yeah like i mentioned the the era indicators uh, yeah there's there's a lot to like about keller yeah i think the best thing in keller's favor right now is the fact that we're seeing a whole revamped coaching staff for this team. Um, they did not develop their pitchers well, whether it be Garrett Cole, whether it be um, Tyone, who's hurt right now, um, Tyler Glasnow, guys that just did not live up to the expectations that, um, I mean, these were supposed to be guys leading the staff right now and they're all gone. So I think the best thing that we could have asked for is a fresh start for Mitch Keller with this coaching staff whoever they choose, hopefully, um, I think it honestly just, it, it, it helps his chances of having a better season next year. So I'm looking forward to that for Mitch Keller. I think one of the, it's kind of just, it's just weird to talk about. I'm not going to touch upon it too much, but I mean, one of the biggest pieces to this team has been their closer the past few years in, in Felipe Vasquez. And that's just completely up in limbo. Now um, he, he may never pitch again. He might not even be, 
allowed back in the country again, for all we know. But right now it's showing that Kyle Crick is uh, the closer of this team. Is that somebody that interests you or are you kind of staying away from Crick? Uh, not in particular. Yeah, he's probably um, probably one of the you know very lower end uh, closers, just maybe like you know a fifteen team roto league kind of guy. That uh, of course, like anyone getting saved is going to be owned uh, in those types of leagues. But um, yeah, if you're looking at like your standard ten to twelve league, team leagues, um, he's not someone that I'm touching. That I think will be worth uh, drafting in those kind of formats, the shallower formats. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and guys like Jamison Tyone, who uh, we're big fans of over here at the podcast, um, obviously he's going to be out for all of next year with Tommy John surgery. So it could be it could be a rough year for this team. But um, they do have some, some fantasy-relevant pieces. Um, some of the big guys we were talking about being Bell, Marte, Reynolds, um, and we both like Mitch Keller, Musgrove, um, Chris Archer, we didn't really touch upon. I'm just, uh, I'm just over the Chris Archer hype train. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I can't get on board with it. But yeah, I think that kind of wraps up our NL Central discussion. I mean, I think overall there's a lot of strong pieces in this division, and uh, definitely some guys that you want to reach for early, and then definitely some sleepers that we've touched upon tonight. But, yeah, I mean, this is going to be uh, an interesting division. you got a dogfight between the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Brewers. We'll see if any of these teams – and the Reds. Reds are both kind of a sleeper team to us. So we'll see kind of who uh, – we'll see kind of who uh, heads the uh, the attack next year. But, uh, yeah. yeah, is there anything else you want to touch upon or should we kind of wrap this this baby up here? Yeah, no, I think I think that, that was good. Um the yeah the NL Central is definitely going to be a very interesting uh, division for you know fantasy wise. There's just a, a ton of players here, so uh, I liked you know how we unpacked everything here. Hopefully, uh, you know hopefully you guys took something from it. But yeah, I always like doing these because then you you end up you know finding players that you weren't necessarily looking at before. Yeah, agreed. There's definitely some guys that that we've touched upon tonight that I made me kind of rethink my stance on them. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy these divisional reviews. We'll keep pumping these out. We're going to start with uh, with the American League next week, and yeah. So just to kind of wrap things up, um, you can follow me on Twitter at BraffC. You can follow George on Twitter at jmontanez90. You can follow our podcast on twitter and instagram at bases loaded pod you can find us on our patreon page which is patreon.com at uh, slash fantasy baseball you can follow our other co-hosts we got mike uh we got mike and we got sp streamer who provide some great content as well so feel free to check us all out on Twitter. Give us a follow. Feel free to give us a uh, five-star review. It's greatly appreciated. And yeah, thanks for listening. And we look forward to catching you guys next time. Have a good one.